Hey there, friends, listeners. Hey, it's us, Big and White. Yep, that's us. Did you forget our names? Sometimes I do. Yeah, you do. No shame. (laughs) I edit that out a lot. Some shame. (laughs) A little shame. Makes for good bloopers, though. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming here today to tell you some news. Are you guys sitting down? Prepare yourselves emotionally. Half of you are probably going to be really sad. Yeah. And the other half of you might be actually kind of relieved. And another half of you will probably be kind of ambivalent. <laughs> and 100% of you did not take enough math, college, math <laughs> classes. <laughs> 100% meaning me. <laughs> yep. I mean, maybe it's like half of your own self mm. will be like... Yeah, like happy, and then the other half of you will be ambivalent. Yeah, in Spanish they say one eye is happy, one eye is sad. We can change it to one eye is happy, one eye is ambivalent. (laughs) I being me. (laughs) I is happy. Oh, yes. Good grammars. Yes. Anyway, uh, has that been enough suspense yet? (laughs) You may have guessed our news, and it is that we are going from a weekly podcast to a bi-weekly podcast. Podcast. Yeah, somebody just got real excited. <laughs> oh, no. And you're going to break their hearts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know the right word for it, but by bi weekly, I mean every other week. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Sorry. Yay. Not really yay for us, but. Yeah, it is sad. As much as we wish our lives completely revolved around this podcast, they don't. Mm-hmm. No. We got like other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed. Yep. And since White doesn't help me edit. Not at all. <laughs> she just responds to all of the awesome emails we get. She has the best job. <laughs> um, yeah, we are going to go down to every other week. So we just wanted to let you guys know that with our California up speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it goes to every other week... Please don't email us and, like, curse us out. I mean, I already get people, like, on Thursday morning, like, where's your podcast? I'm like, ooh, that's true fandom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's only two people, but still, I feel good that's about it. multiple people, though. Yeah. It's plural. Plural. Impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, um, go and grieve or react to this news how you will, I guess. Yeah. We still love you guys. We love you so much. You're still important to us. We super appreciate you guys. But things about to get crazy. Oh, they about to get real crazy. Lives, so yeah, cool. Uh, have fun with this episode. We're pretty excited about it. It's a good one. Cherish it. Cherish it. For it shall be two weeks until <laughs> the next one. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> big and i am white and together we are big and white and you are listening to the big and white podcast a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in asia so what are we talking about today white today we're talking about the harder aspects of being big and white (laughs) and what i mean is culture shock yes that is not exclusive to big and white people no no It is not. Whatever color, whatever your height. 
or <laughs> girth, I guess. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> it can happen to you. It's true. Be warned. But first, what happened to you this week? Right? Tell me. Well, it happened just this afternoon. Yeah, I was leaving work and I went to Big Mart, which is a supermarket here. And I go everywhere on my mountain bike and carry most things in a backpack. So this included like my laptop. It included a liter of soy yogurt that I had delivered today and a liter of almond milk, which is in a bag, just <laughs> sitting with my precious laptop. <laughs> this feels like a tangent, but it's a good one. Um, I also had a very precious box of decaffeinated Earl Grey tea that you gave me. You're schmelkum. And um, a bag of uh, muesli or granola that uh, that's like, think to me, the best muesli in Kathmandu. I have to go and buy it from um, a restaurant. Are you just listing all your groceries? Is this what yes. happened to you this week? It just <laughs> struck me how crazy it is, like all the ways that I had to compile all the things in my bag. Mm. You know, I didn't just stop at the grocery store. I like went 14 different directions and got these things. Anyway, but I did also go to the grocery store and I had to buy butter. And so then I like check out and I'm like crushing all these things into my bag that are getting very, very full. There's a bag of almond milk, you know, like I said, that's a little bit precarious and I'm trying not to squeeze. This is getting really suspenseful. And so I like leave Big Mart and then I cycle to a store where I buy my spinach (laughs) all <laughs> <Old> spinach store <laughs> i didn't even think about how complicated it was but anyway <laughs> and so i go to buy my spinach and i realize that my wallet isn't in my bag and i'm like oh no where's my wallet my precious precious wallet and i'm like oh man i mean i paid at big mart i left it at big mart oh no and so immediately i'm like oh did somebody steal it from my bag and i'm like no <laughs> not in Nepal. <laughs> I really don't think so. So, you know, I like entertained that for like one second. And I'm like, you know what? I left it on the counter. It's going to be on the counter when I get back. And so I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot my money. I'll be right back. And I cycle back to Big Mart like a minute away, just right up to the door. <laughs> and I'm like, I yell at the guy who, in a culturally appropriate yell. <laughs> <laughs> So true, though. <laughs> Just, you know, like it's appropriate to call to get someone's attention. So I call to him and um, and the guy who's currently checking out. Oh, he's like, oh, hey, hey she's talking to you. It's her wallet. And I was like, <laughs> I forgot my wallet. He's like, oh, yes. He just hands it over to me. And I'm like, thanks, Blake. I cycle back and I go get my spinach. I got the customer. I was like, oh, yeah, the wallet that we were just discussing. <laughs> yeah, it's <right>. hers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this went down exactly how I thought it was going to go down. <laughs> That's good. See, yep. you're just so adjusted to Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, yeah, that that's far more likely than a bad situation. True. Would be. Very true. I'm always yeah. embarrassed when I do stuff like that. Or like yep. if I buy something, I leave it at the stall or something. <laughs> because a Nepali would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, ha, ha, ha. They're like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I'm forgetful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, what happened to you? Did you well, lose your wallet? <laughs> I didn't, actually. I used to lose my wallet all the time when I was younger, but 
adulthood has taught me a thing or two. Oh, good. Yeah, my thing actually involves you because do we ever do anything apart? Bob's not. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week, Damien Rice came to Nepal. And if you don't know who Damien Rice is, well, neither did I. <laughs> He's a singer-songwriter from Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he is kind of famous, and he has been making music for a very long time. I don't know how I missed out on this, but anyway. So the thing, though, that's interesting about this is so few like international concerts come to Nepal that even though none of us had heard of this dude, we're like, mm, yes, we will attend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and our friend went and stood in line for an hour to get tickets. And yeah, <laughs> but... My favorite part, actually, was the people watching. Mm -hmm. Because there was a few foreigners there, like, I don't know, 20 maybe. And then the other, like, 300 people were the hippest Nepalis in the country. Beautiful people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There was, like, rich people wearing really fancy clothes with super high heels and, like, couples taking pictures of each other. Not together. Of each other. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, all the hipster Nepalis mm-hmm. were there. Like, the girls with short hair and big glasses. And the guys with long hair holding the girls' coats. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just so fun. Like, I have never gone to a big concert in Nepal. Mm-hmm. I've only gone to really small ones, like, in a bar where there's, like, 20 people, right. you know. Yeah. Or I guess Jasmine do. So, yeah, just to see, like, the cultural dynamic of how people act at a concert. And people were so excited. Yeah. Like, I mean... I think it's like all of his diehard fans in Nepal were in one place at one time and they were like singing all the lyrics and requesting songs and just like getting so into it. And yeah, it was just a really fun experience to be there. Yeah, it was super interesting. We felt a little bit like outsiders. We're like, <laughs> we totally did. We don't know any of the words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Play that song next. <laughs> <laughs> I rarely feel like heckling something, but it was like because I had no emotional attachment yes, to it. I'm like, mm, we'll just, you know, amuse ourselves by heckling. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't actually yeah. heckle. We just whispered just into each our, other's ears. Just to each other. Yeah. yeah. That we, was really fun, though. It was really fun. Then we tried to go to a bar after and everything was closed at like 9 p.m. <laughs> so we just <laughs> sat on White's roof and drank gin cocktails. Which was super fun. It was really fun. Go team. Yep. Yeah, that was nice to be able to get dressed up and go out because normally we, well, I at least, I'm always worried that I'm going to get locked out of my gate, Mm. even if I tell my landlords that I'm going to (laughs) be gone, you know? So, yeah, I don't really tend to not go out Mm -hmm. very late at night. And very late at night means 8.30 onward. (laughs) (laughs) We're party people here at Big and White, let me tell you. yeah, it's so it's good to remember that like we're young people and <laughs> you know, we've just worked a full week. We can go and relax. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it's but I feel like the nightlife here is like on the other side of town, so yeah. hard to get yeah. to. So normally I don't do it, but having an event like a concert or mm-hmm. something motivates you. So Yeah. It's great. We should do it again sometime. It's a good experience. Yep. We always say that and we never do. Well, you know. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get to the topic of our episode, which is culture, quote, shock, unquote. Anytime you move to a new place, you're going to experience some 
amount of adjustment. I mean, I definitely experienced that when I moved from LA to Portland. I experienced that even more when I went to a small conservative university in Canada. (laughs) That was a major culture shock. For me too. Um, And then, you know, I've, I've spent time studying abroad and of course moving to Nepal. So every person is different in how they adjust to new culture. And I think every time is a different experience as well. So it can kind of surprise you and catch you off guard a little bit. Um, But yeah, we just wanted to talk about what culture shock is and what it isn't Mm -hmm. and some of our experience with it and maybe what to expect when you're transitioning to a new culture. Yeah. So I thought I would start with a definition of what culture shock is according to Merriam-Webster. You're so American-centric. Well, it came up first on Google. (laughs) Google's so (laughs) American-centric. Google definitely is. Surprise. So yeah, so they define culture shock as a sense of confusion and uncertainty, sometimes with feelings of anxiety that may affect people exposed to an alien culture or environment without adequate preparation. So according to this definition, do you think that that matches with what you would say culture shock is or has been to you? I feel like I don't, I'm never good at identifying anxiety in myself. Like I'm just not generally an anxious person. So anxiety feels weird, but definitely like uncomfortableness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ickiness. (laughs) Is that a better word? And the without adequate preparation, yeah, I think is interesting because I do think adequate preparation is helpful in like reducing the effects mm-hmm. of culture shock, but I think you can't avoid it. So saying, oh, if you don't have adequate preparation, you're going to have culture shock is a bit of a lie. Yeah. You're going to have it no matter what. It just might be worse or better. Right. Worse or less worse. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Yeah. I think the adequate preparation bit kind of tugged at me for the longest because Mm. like well you can think that well especially like moving somewhere like nepal that you know you're going from a western culture to an eastern culture like obviously there are more differences than if you're going from california to portland even though those cultures are different um but yeah you just can't completely prepare yourself like what is adequate preparation for moving to <laughs> Nepal other than saying i'm going to have culture shock <laughs> that's well, good preparation i think good preparation is learning about the culture and knowing what to expect and being open to understanding a little bit more of why people might be behaving the way that they are i think that helps you helps guard you against feelings of anger or frustration or confusion that really would amplify culture shock, you know? Like, if you just walk into a culture and you're like, I don't know what's happening here, (laughs) and then, you know, someone does something that in that culture is perfectly acceptable, but in your culture is rude, then you're going to get mad, yeah, and you're going to get frustrated, and I think that would make your culture shock a lot worse. Oh, yeah. I think you can prepare. I think it can be worse yeah (laughs) for sure so much worse (laughs) but yeah it definitely i think adequate preparation maybe is an unattainable goal (laughs) yeah you could have always prepared more true facts so if you don't love this definition how would you describe culture shock yeah i think 
as a term, culture shock can be kind of misleading. For sure. Like, you think of it more as maybe like a temporary thing. A lot of people talk, they think of culture shock in terms of like maybe their first year of living somewhere or. Well, and I think the word shock sounds very acute. Like it happens at one point, you know. Right. And you are definitely going to know when it comes because (laughs) it's shocking. It takes over your whole system, right? That is definitely not how it works. Yeah, I think when I was going through culture shock here, the term that I came up with was culture exhaustion. Mm-hmm. To me, that felt very applicable. Although for some people, it might be more like culture frustration, culture anger, or yeah, everyone reacts differently. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading an article on a blog called A Life Overseas. And the writer for this particular article was talking about culture shock and using different terms for it. So she said um, one term that she used was culture pain. So she (laughs) says that, you know, getting right into the thick of it, right? (laughs) She said, um, culture pain comes when the difficult or different or confusing aspects of a new culture begin to affect you at a deep personal level. Living overseas is really your life now. This is your past, your present, your future. This is where your children learn to walk and ride bikes, where you laugh and grieve and build memories. And then she talks about culture stripping. She said, culture stripping begins the moment you touch the earth in this new place. It doesn't stop ever, not even when you return to your passport country. Culture stripping forever changes who you are. Culture stripping is the slow peeling back of layers and layers of self. You give up pork, you give up wearing blue jeans, you give up holidays with relatives, and those are the easy things. Your ideas about politics and faith and family, your sense of humor and taste in clothes, the books you read evolve and change, even potentially your outlook on spirituality and the rest of your life. You have little instinctive protective layers between you and the world. Buffers like fluency, shared history, family, these no longer buoy you. You are learning, but you can never be local. And so you also are stripped of the idealized image of yourself as a local. This also hurts, but it is a good, purposeful pain. Whew, that yeah. is a lot. Deep, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, that was really good. Yeah. As as you were reading it, I just was had these mixed feelings of like, that's so true. That's so real. And also like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even stop when you return to your passport country. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. But also so worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's amazing to be able to be part of multiple cultures, you know? Yeah, and to get to see yourself change. True. So acutely, I think. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. So it's not all bad, this culture shock, culture pain, culture discomfort, (laughs) culture stripping, (laughs) culture annoyance. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that kind of causes it is that when you first arrive in a new place, you have all of those difficult things, but you also are excited and everything mm-hmm. is new. But then after a certain amount of time, like, you know, four to seven months or whatever, all the excitement wears off and all that's left is the stripping part. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I'm so tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> Need some motivation. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
Do you think you experienced culture shock or do you have any stories of how you coped with it? How you noticed what that looked like for you? Yeah. Um, I definitely experienced it, but I think it helped. I will say that I had already been here. Like I had spent just a month here, um, a few years before I actually moved here. So I did know kind of more what to expect. So I didn't just go through the like, Super juxtaposition between being in America, then all of a sudden in Nepal. Um, I knew what I was getting myself into. But at the same time, it's different when you're investing in your life here versus being basically a tourist. True. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I knew that it was going to be hard. Mm. And so I gave myself a certain number of months to just kind of be really kind to myself Mm. (laughs) um it's partially my personality that like i i mean maybe everybody does but like you know i wanted to just be i wanted to have an established life immediately upon getting here like you come in with certain images of what your life is going to look like and surprise surprise it takes a lot of energy and time to actually build up a life what (laughs) (laughs) can't just instantly have stability but you're entering the nepali culture and you're also entering an expat culture too Mm, true so you have a lot of different layers that you're kind of trying to figure out how you fit into so i actually gave myself months to be lonely (laughs) yeah like to not feel like i had an established group of friends or like this huge community and Mm. like let myself have a hard time Mm. um without passing judgment on myself yeah without feeling like oh i need to change this right yeah like it takes a while and you're focusing on other things so maybe you don't necessarily have energy you don't need to force yourself to go out and do stuff immediately because you know, you're going to live here for at least four years or whatever, whatever your timeline is. So you have time to have a hard time. That sound weird? I don't know. It worked really well for me. Good. Um, Yeah. So I would say that's an example of kind of preparing myself right away. Like even before I moved to Nepal, like setting myself up that it's going to be different. And I didn't know how I was going to go through culture shock, but knowing that it was going to be difficult so Mm -hmm. yeah like forcing myself to give myself grace and like forgive myself no well i kind of did the opposite of you when i moved here i was like i'm gonna make it as hard as possible (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah because you like moved in with a host family i did yeah and i'm really glad i think i have the opposite problem of you I'm not very good at being hard on myself. Mm. So I kind of have to put myself in situations that force me to really engage. Mm -hmm. So I decided to live with a host family and while I was doing language learning. um, And that was such a good experience and so hard also. (laughs) Like, you know, just a lot of really awkward moments. And I was so tired all the time. Like I was just sleeping a lot and, you know. But I do remember getting to a certain point that lasted maybe like three to four weeks where I just couldn't mm. anymore. And yeah, my one of my ways of coping is I had my own bedroom at my host family's house, which was really good. Mm-hmm. And I would hide in there and just read. 
novels all day. I'm like, mm, I should be doing language learning. Well, I'm just going to read a bunch of Perry Mason novels, <laughs> which like they were perfect because they're set in LA in the 1930s. Aww. So it was like just That's a taste so nice. of home. And, you know, I felt so connected and like, um, yeah. And I just slept a ton. I, I wrote a blog post during that time and I wrote, I don't clean my room. I don't plan my language lessons well. I avoid things like taxis and shopping, which require bargaining. The world doesn't feel annoying or unjust or unreasonable, just overwhelming. <laughs> so for me, yeah, I think I don't get as much. Some people get like angry or frustrated. Mm -hmm. I just kind of like cocoon. I'm like, bye yep. bye. <laughs> Same. <laughs> this culture is too hard. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing though is to me, it doesn't necessarily feel conscious. Like I don't think, Oh, this is too hard. I will not do it. I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. later I'm like, why did I put that off for two weeks? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would say that hit me in a big way too. Or even like when I first started doing field work, like mm. once language learning was done, I started going out on field work. Like it would take so long. Like we get. A certain number of rest days so we don't go into the office um right after we get back from field work and mm -hmm. i would like just be exhausted like laying on my floor like <laughs> i'm gonna clean my clothes and then like put them in the wash and be like Ugh, just like <laughs> suddenly be sitting on the floor like uh-oh how did this happen yeah. but you know yeah like not leave my house and mm -hmm. for days and now i don't feel the need to do that yeah yeah it's interesting i feel like i'm trying to think of other examples like one of our friends gets like crazy road rage <laughs> <Gets> so mad <laughs> um and another one of my friends oh recently she told me this story she took her phone into the phone shop to get it fixed and then when she got it back like they had ch changed something else on it like she was getting the screen fixed but then they had changed the back or something mm -hmm. And so she went in, she was like so mad and she went in and there was no one there except this old man. And she just like yelled at him like, what are you doing? How could you do this? Blah, blah, you know, <laughs> she said afterwards, the nephew, like this guy who runs the shop messaged her and was like, why did you shame my father? Oh, that's horrible. Oh, no. So she's just telling me this story and I paused her. I was like, um, how long have you been living here? And she was like, Five months? Why? <laughs> like, ah. ah. <laughs> the culture shock has come. <laughs> yeah, we all get there. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard from quite a few people that there's like a point, you know, you're doing absolutely amazing and then eight months hits mm -hmm. and you just Crash. are tired yeah, <laughs> yeah. of everything. It's not fun anymore. And I've heard that for quite a few people. It doesn't happen for everybody, but mm -hmm. there tends to be that point. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, we're coming from a Western culture to an Asian culture. We're coming from an affluent country to a less affluent country. Like, there's a lot of differences. But I think the shock or the whatever culture adjustment period can be just as intense when you're going somewhere where you don't expect it to be that different. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was in Canada, one of my fellow students there was from New Zealand. And so she did not even think about culture shock. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's an English-speaking country. We're both Western, you know. And then 
I remember this point, which was about seven months in, where she wasn't doing great. And, like, none of us made the connection. Mm -hmm. We just were like, oh, you know, she's in a bad mood or something. And then, like, a year later, I Skyped with her. And she was like, yeah. Later, I realized, like, oh, I was going through culture shock. (laughs) And I I wasn't even able to identify it. So I wasn't able to cope with it well because I didn't expect it, you know? Yeah. And I feel like. I mean, I experienced culture shock when I went to South America, mm-hmm. too, and, you know, I was living in, like, I don't know. I, I thought I was more adjusted to South American culture because I live close to Central America, but that was dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it's it's not exclusive to moving from one place to a very different place. For sure. Like, it could be within your same state in america true oh man (laughs) (laughs) it could mean like moving from the country into a city yeah for sure yeah so be wary of it (laughs) it's true dude yeah i am actually want to share this with you i'm sure someone else has thought of this but i had this like epiphany recently about how culture adjustment goes Mm, yeah because i was last time we were in the village I was thinking about how many little tiny decisions felt really easy to me, Mm -hmm. whereas in the past they would have felt harder. And so I was kind of thinking about like why that is and how I got to the point where I'm at. So I kind of came up with these levels of cultural adjustment. Kind, I I guess it's similar to the, if you've ever seen the cultural onion thing. So it's like the outside layer is like the outside appearance of how people behave. And then the next layer is like, you know, I don't know, maybe some underlying values that might drive that. And like you keep getting deeper and like, Mm -hmm. well, why do they, you know, whatever. So I think the most common one that people would see would be like understanding what about a culture. So maybe, for example, in Nepal, you remove your shoes when you go inside the house, right? So when you first come to Nepal, whether you're visiting or you're moving here, you'll probably learn, oh, you should take your shoes off Mm -hmm. when you go inside. Then one layer above that, kind of like the meta, would be like understanding why that is. Mm -hmm. So I think normally that's the next thing that people learn. Right. So, for example, the reason that you remove your shoes when you go in the house is because they're considered ritually unclean. And you can go deeper with that, you know, like the history of the religion or, you know, maybe where this uh, value has developed. But that's kind of like the why. So there's why and then there's what. But then the next level is how. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, how do you take your shoes off when you get to the house? Like, where do you put them? You get used to untying and tying your shoes quickly, taking, you know, carrying a bag and also trying to put your shoes on (laughs) at the same time, like just kind of getting good at that. And so I feel like for me, for the first few years of living here, like those are the levels that I was functioning Mm -hmm. at, you know, why... Am I supposed to only use my right hand when I eat and hand money? And then what? Like, I use my right hand. How? Oh, I need to hold my wallet in my left hand so that I can use my Mm -hmm. right hand, you know? But then I feel like now that I've been here quite a long time, I've gone like one level even more nuanced from the how, which is like all these little tiny cues that people give you or just mini cultural rules so like my example with the shoes would be like i know that if i'm in the village and i need to go somewhere and my shoes are too hard to put on i can just wear someone else's sandals and it's not weird (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i think the longer you live somewhere you know the less exhausting it gets because 
you get better and better and better and more and more nuanced. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you don't even necessarily notice that you're doing is making a hundred million tiny decisions every day. But then once you know those like little nuances of what to do, things just get way easier. Right. And the other interesting thing about that is you start to be able to identify when people are making mistakes in their own culture. (laughs) So I feel like one stressful thing when you're living cross-culturally is you think you're the one always in the wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that person, like, was offended by what I said or what I did. Like, oh, no, I must have made a mistake. But eventually you start to realize, like, no, there's some Nepalis who break Nepali cultural rules, and they're awkward too. (laughs) Yeah, It's like such a good moment when you're like, you're awkward and I'm not. Hooray! (laughs) I've made it. We're all just regular humans that are awkward sometimes. I kind of forgot. I thought you were all perfectly operating by your cultural rules. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all on the same playing field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool, though. I mean, yeah, it's good to be reminded that it's a journey that you get to learn more For and sure. more. Well, and I think that's a really good way of. Maybe we can transition into talking about how to cope with culture Mm -hmm. shock, you know? Yeah. I think one big step is just remembering it's a journey and not beating yourself up. Yeah. And like you said, you know, having grace for yourself and not feeling guilty about taking a day off Mm -hmm. or not feeling like, oh, I have to change and make my life perfect right right now. Yeah. And like, it's a journey, but it's not necessarily a straight path or you do not stay at the same elevation (laughs) your entire time oh my gosh i saw this amazing graph once on a blog about culture shock and it was like what people think culture shock is you know and it's like this like just the normal like bell-shaped graph Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like what culture shock actually is and it's like up down spins a little circle like (laughs) corkscrew Letter seven, Q. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That's just about right. Yep. Yep. It's always good to learn more about yourself. You will not always learn very nice things about yourself. (laughs) But (laughs) that's stripping. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's kind of who you are. And you get to, you know, you get things exposed about yourself that you then have the chance to identify. And to go forward with. Absolutely. Yeah, you're not so much. I mean, when you're exposed to a new situation and something difficult, you you can't just live in that your safe bubble. Yeah. You know, you're forced to confront your own issues Mm -hmm. for sure. And I mean, like we're talking about, like you're changing throughout all of this. So like culture shock does not go away. Sorry to tell you. Sorry. <laughs> Especially if you only get a few hours of sleep. <laughs> Not based on a true story, based on a true story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it changes as you go along, mm. I think. That's true. You're right, because you're changing. Yeah. So what culture shock looks like for you changes yep. as well. And like your coping mechanism mm-hmm. for that, for experiencing that culture shock, it definitely changes. Like... Maybe when I first moved here, when I felt like I did not have enough emotional energy to greet the day, I would lay in bed and watch Netflix and eat 
a family size pack of <laughs> peanut butter M Ms. <laughs> Not a true story. Definitely my first four weeks of living in Nepal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now I have kind of recognized like some of those tendencies and know that ultimately like where I am now Mm -hmm. with my life here, that's not going to actually help. What will actually help is for me to be like, who can I hang out with today? I want to go and get coffee or yeah, I'm going to go to this art market with somebody and get out of the house because otherwise I'll think about my problems (laughs) and that's just not very helpful. I'm the opposite. My coping is I just have try to have one day per week where I don't leave my house at all. <laughs> and I always have such a good week. Yeah. The next week if I do that. Yeah. So. Well, do you have any tips for people that might be in culture shock right now, might be moving toward it? It's looming in their future. Gonna Yeah. Um thinking back to like when it was more obvious when I first moved here. Um Like I already said, I give myself a hard time. And so I was kind of like asking too much of myself Mm. immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though, you know, I would tell myself, oh, you know, you give yourself an easy time. It's a big thing that you're doing. Like you can tell yourself that, but your brain might not automatically think that. You have to remind yourself of that over and over again. But anyway, um, sometimes I would just get so overwhelmed just with like, like instead of going out and buying vegetables, it was like, how can I make a lasting relationship with the vegetable seller? <laughs> or, you know, like things like, like baby that. steps, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> instead of like learning the word for floor and desk or, you know, something like that, it was like, no, I need to learn all of Nepali so that I can read. I don't know, Harry Potter, you know, like I need to be like completely literate. That's literacy for me is Harry Potter, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Um, But anytime that I would get really overwhelmed and really grumpy and not like I would get have so many expectations of myself that I would end up not engaging at all. um, I would ask myself, okay, so you're miserable in this moment. If you had the opportunity to fly and be in America right this second, would all of your problems be solved? And the answer was always no, because ultimately the problem was that I wanted to be more engaged and present in Nepal. Mm. And I didn't know how to do that. Like, (laughs) yeah. So running away wouldn't make that better either. So like, and then use that answer to guide on how you can, help yourself better in that mm. current moment. That's good. So, yeah, I think kind yeah. of related to that. One thing that I did sort of by accident, but turned out to be really helpful <laughs> was just celebrating little victories. Yeah. You yeah. know? So, I especially remember so clearly this one time my motorcycle broke and I went to the motorcycle shop and he didn't speak any English. It was like this <laughs> tiny little shop. And I talked to the guy and I explained what the problem was. And I asked him to fix it. <laughs> I remember walking away so elated. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I just talked about a really different thing yeah. in the valley. And we understood each other. And I'm actually 
starting to get this culture. (laughs) But yeah, I think, you know, thinking about the positive things Mm -hmm. like that, as opposed to being like, oh, no, why don't I have this deep relationship with the vegetable guy? Or, man, I really should go talk to my landlady more, but I can't. It's definitely a way to help yourself at least not get depressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I think that's really good. Celebrate whatever you can celebrate. Mm hmm. Yeah, we still do that. We That's celebrate true. our yearly Nepal anniversaries. Yeah. Or like if we get done with a big project at work, we'll all go out and have dinner together or, yeah. You're right. We do that. Yeah. Look at us. It's really good, I think. Yeah, you need milestones in your life. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of a nostalgic person in general, so I'm easily convinced to do that mm, well i just love any excuse to party so i'm yeah. also easily convinced yeah. we make a great <laughs> team yeah everyone thinks that we're like crazy or like obsessed with ourselves or something it's like <laughs> i just want to hang out with friends yeah <laughs> yeah um i also wanted to mention something that culture shock is a really broad topic um and maybe we don't know how to look for it or maybe we don't realize that something is culture shock but sometimes we can blame culture shock on something that actually is like in its own whole other ballpark Hmm. continent kind of thing (laughs) maybe yeah i hadn't really thought about that that's interesting i was thinking you know to get like super deep here please do like after i had been here for I don't know, like over a year, like almost a year and a half or something, I had Mm -hmm. just a really nasty bout of depression and anxiety that lasted for like six months. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no big deal. (laughs) You you just adjust to anything. Wait, I'm doing the math. Did it end yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, probably. It's only been like four months since I have not been like miserable. Mm. But. When I finally realized that I was like, holy crap, I'm not just like really tired. Like, this isn't normal. Like, this isn't actually what I'm normally like. Mm. And this has lasted a lot longer than other like depressive phases have. Um, And so once I like realized it and I kind of started like admitting to people, I'm like, yeah, I have been totally disengaged for months now. I'm really sorry. I'm, you know, I'm like doing this about it or whatever and like a couple people were like oh well do you think that it's just you know like culture shock Uh. which i mean is a good question but ultimately i think it was a lot more complicated even (laughs) than culture shock could be and you know mental health family history does not (laughs) (laughs) oh genetics (laughs) does not help there's you know a lot of other stuff going on in there. But I will say, yeah, I mean, being a human is kind of hard. It's pretty <laughs> fun, but it's pretty hard, too. True and facts. Being a human in a culture that you weren't born in or raised in is also difficult. Um, so if you, like, are going through what you think of as culture shock for, like, a really extended amount of time... Culture shock is not, like, naming it culture shock is not a sufficient reason to not fix your problems. Mm, Like, mm -hmm. if you have issues, maybe it is culture shock. Maybe it's, I don't know, like, deeper than that. 
but like fix it yeah don't like don't dismiss it miserable don't say oh well it's just culture shock i'll get over it or i'm just weak like i should be able to handle culture shock like well i want nothing less in the world than to get out of bed i don't have energy to take a shower (laughs) change the sheets or you know whatever but suck it up and do it anyway like there's probably something else there Mm -hmm. (laughs) so take care of yourselves you guys yeah dude don't be afraid to ask for help yeah i think we've said this before on many episodes but really don't be embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) but seriously but seriously though (laughs) you can email us if you don't have any i mean you can always email us you can even if you have lots of people in your life (laughs) (laughs) it's true though um i think sometimes maybe you can feel like it's a weakness to ask for help but it's actually a strength because admitting to having problems is very difficult to do yeah sometimes and you always figure out that you're surrounded by other people with problems. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, not only were you depressed, but you were depressed chronically for 15 years. And I've been depressed for five months. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> Any advice for me? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh, man. Oh, yeah, I would say that realizing that and like doing something about it just made my life here so much better good yeah and now things are very okay (laughs) things are growing smoothly (laughs) (laughs) oh man well thanks for sharing that dude that's really inspirational actually because it can be hard to make that first move yep you know yeah for sure well i think that is a perfect way to wrap up this talk about culture shock and culture stripping and culture tiredness and things that aren't culture shock but maybe look like culture (laughs) shock (laughs) it's a whole thing (laughs) but yeah we would love to hear from you guys actually if you have any stories about your own culture shock yeah either serious or funny yeah or just interesting and if or (laughs) if you like have been listening and you're like holy crap i have had I've experienced culture shock and I didn't even realize it. Yes. (laughs) So write in if you're super lucky. We might even read your response on air. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I think it's time. It's time. What accent was that? That's the SNL accent. What you just. (laughs) That's SNL. I don't know. It's not a normal. It's not a human accent. It's like the weird Californian accent. This California wine. I think it's time for us to do our segment of the week. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this segment. We've been collecting a very carefully curated list. By carefully curated, do you mean I wrote this list in the last village we visited together? Uh (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Well, yes, this carefully curated list is a list of rhyming words in Nepali, which is White's favorite thing. (laughs) Well, I just love things like this because when you're language learning, 
these aren't things that you know to ask for. True. Like you kind of have to, you learn them a little bit later. Like you just kind of pick them up the more that you Mm -hmm. use the language. Or I feel like I learned a couple of them when I was first learning language, but I didn't realize that there were like hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, mm, these two words rhyme, how interesting. Well, not just that there are hundreds, but that it's open. You can create them very easily yourself. True, yes. Oh, so good. So excited. <laughs> so would you like to give some examples maybe? Yeah, so I'll just say a few of the more common ones that you come across pretty often. Um, I think my favorite is ratomato. <laughs> which means red mud. But it's part of a whole dirt. phrase. The whole phrase is rato mato ciplo barto, which is red mud slippery road. <laughs> and let me tell you, that's true. I can say that from a Nepal standpoint and an Arkansas red clay standpoint. Ooh, look at so, you. Yeah, it's universal. Um, Chito mito yes. is a really, really good one. It means chito is fast, mito is tasty. So it means like it's it's good to be fast, yep. like nice and fast. Yep. Like if you're driving in a taxi, I'd be like, oh, this road is Chitomito. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's a good shortcut. We'll get there quick and we'll be happy. Um, Jilly Millie Ugh. is like bling. Yeah. If real you have like sparkly. A sari with lots of like sequins. Yeah. Or like little rhinestones, mm-hmm. jewels. Jilly Millie. Yes. I really like rungi chungi. Oh my gosh. So rung is the word for color in Nepali. So this means colorful. Yeah. Rungi chungi. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, That was maybe my first one that I ever learned out of this list. I feel like there's a couple that I encounter on fieldwork a lot. One is oripori, Mm -hmm. which means like that side and this side. Mm -hmm. So my first fieldwork was with a people group that lives along rivers. So they would always just like use half of the rhyme. They're like, mm, I live body, they live body. Yes. <laughs> so good. But there's a lot more that you can just make on the fly. Yep. They usually involve like, in linguistics, we would call it reduplication or mm. partial reduplication is what the actual linguistic term for this is. So for instance, chia sia. Chia is T and then sia is nothing it's just parcel <laughs> partial reduplication of chia so chia and biscuits or whatever all the things that are involved with drinking chia that's chia sia or even like i saw um a tote bag that said kitab sitab um, and it's just like books books. and things yeah (laughs) i even like i had just moved here and i asked um a girl in the shop i'm like what's sitab mean she's like oh i don't know i'll ask my brother and then she disappeared never came back oh my gosh that's amazing that's what happens when you ask too direct of a question in an indirect culture they're like bye (laughs) oh man we have like a whole list these are all ones that we heard on field work Mm -hmm. while we were there so we already said chia sia Someone said Lalitpur Salatpur, which Lalitpur is the district that we live in. <laughs> so, you know, like this area. We And I've heard that, too, with another district, Cabre, Sabre. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So good. I also, this one cracked me up because the person was speaking Nepali, but then they used the English word for culture. So they said culture, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing it. to me. So, but it was funny because we were we were talking about these and like how much we love them. And then I was thinking like 
Well, we don't really do that in English, do we? But it turns out we do. Yep. <laughs> I kept thinking of more examples of English. Like the first one I thought of was silly willy. Mm -hmm. But or my dad always <laughs> calls me this cutie patootie. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only person, like our family just uses that, or if that's no, a more no. universal thing. Definitely. I can't think of anyone in particular who uses it in my family, but it's I think okay. we shorten it, actually. I think sometimes my mom just like might be like, hey, patoot. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> Something like that. Wow, anyway. that's like meta, abbreviated partial reduplication. Yeah. Um, what else? Ugh. Lucy Goosey. <laughs> Willy Nilly. Willy Nilly is a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. That one's more like natural. Like you're not like all Lucy Goosey. Right. A lot of the other ones sound very cutesy. Yeah. But I feel like Willy Nilly is a cutesy one you could use suitsy. in a work meeting. <laughs> cutesy suits. <laughs> but yeah, Willy Nilly. Yeah. Yeah. Ooey Gooey. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. We also, I mean, if you're going to, like, go in the nerd direction of Doctor <laughs> Who, so to say, wibbly wobbly. Wibbly wobbly. Timey, timey wimey. Is there more to it? Uh, it's part, he's, like, explaining what that time isn't yeah. a straight line. It's, like, a ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. I feel like British people have a more natural bent towards this kind oh, of rhyming. That's a good question. They kind of have like silly names for different things, like yeah. building names and one well, they have like the Cockney rhyming thing. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Well I know I already said you should write in about culture shock, but I really want you guys to write in about rhyming words, yeah. either in English or maybe another language that you know. Oh yes. Please. Spanish anyone? Yeah. I wonder or... if Korean has it. Ooh. That would be good. good. question. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. We can't wait. <laughs> We're literally <laughs> the nerds are coming breath. out. <laughs> <laughs> we will be awake and awaiting your email. Thanks, as always, for listening to our podcast yep. and for listening to us. We think you're cool. Remember to do all the good things. Listen to our podcast is step number one. You guys, you can check that off. Congratulations. <laughs> we are on all kinds of apps, Spotify, yeah. iTunes. Thanks to those who have Ke rated Sketcher. us. No, not Sketcher. Sketcher. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. All that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, remember that we have an email. Yeah, it's big white podcast at gmail.com we read every single email and by we i mean i do i read it out loud to big <laughs> yep and then she responds <laughs> yeah it's really really fun it is fun and you should probably check out our patreon mm -hmm. if we get another supporter soon we might be releasing some more bonus content so get excited we're super grateful to all of the patreon supporters we do have yeah awesome Okay, well, it's getting late, so I think I'm going to go. Okay. I should hang up. I think, I think yeah. so. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. okay. Well, yep, that, yep, that okay. sounds okay to me. Okay. Thanks for talking. Yep, oh, okay. Yeah. okay, okay, okay. Okay. Okay.